things that God have revealed to me about the Holy Spirit, the indispensableness of the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit not just plays a role, but that the Holy Spirit is the catalyst by which we will do anything here on this earth for God. It's going to be by the Spirit or not at all. That's what it comes down to. Um, in honor of uh, my father being here, my father has told this story uh, a bunch of times. Um, I can tell you a Jerry Clower story. Uh, nobody, does anybody know who Jerry Clower was? Uh, not very many. Okay. He was from Macomb, Mississippi. Um, but okay, so Jerry Clower tells a lot of st- uh, stories about um, days gone by, stuff that millennials have no idea what we're talking about. Um, but there was a there was a man, an old man that had spent his whole life cutting logs with a crosscut saw, and he would saw and saw and saw, and he got really really good at it. Well, one day he was in the saw shop. Back then, the saw shop was to get the saw sharpened. So he takes the saw to get it sharpened, and the guy behind the counter says, I've got something that's brand new that you got to see. It's going to change your life forever. And he reaches behind and he pulls out one of them big yellow uh, McCullough, you know, chainsaws. Back then they were, you know, solid steel, weighed 300 pounds, you know. Set it up on there, you know, with the big boat. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was raised differently than some people. And uh, uh, set it up on the counter and said, use this for a week. And if you don't, if it doesn't revolutionize the way you do things, bring it back to me. I'll give you your money back. So he said, that sounds like a good deal to me. So he takes the saw, he uses it for a week. The next week he comes back in, he slams it on the counter. He said, you can have this thing back. He said, this thing, he said, I cut, uh, I cut twice as much with my crosscut saw than I did with this power saw. And the guy was like, that doesn't make any sense. This should have revolutionized the way that you do your job. Well, let's see if something's wrong. So he takes it off the counter, he pulls the choke out, and he pulls the crank open, fires it up, and scares the man half to death. <laughs> and that's the punchline. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I know we've started out talking about Jerry Clower and, and stuff, but we're actually going to jump in the deep end this morning. We've got a lot that I want to cover. And we're just going to start in hot, if that's okay. Is everybody ready? Is everybody listening? Paying attention? Okay. All right, because we're just going to jump right into it. I'm going to ask you a question. How many Christians today are doing what God has called them to do in their own strength? How many of us even are going out there with God's power saw and sawing away, not even knowing? You put a little gas in it, you pull the crank rope, and it revolutionizes your life. If you're going to do what God has called you to do, if I'm going to do what God has called me to do, it's going to take the strength of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. And there's a lot of people that are, and I see it all the time. And it's getting, how many of you, um, how many of you can look at someone's life in ministry and pretty much know if the Holy Spirit is involved? You all know what I'm talking about? And it's not judging. It's just you recognize the Holy Spirit. You see the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago, the fruit of the Spirit. You see it. And you're like, that seems like it's kind of in their in their own strength, you know. And um, we say strength, we're, we're, we're saying the word strength, but strength really isn't what we're talking about. Uh, we're saying strength, the Holy Strength of the Holy Spirit, because that makes sense to us instead of our strength, the strength of the Holy Spirit. But let's look at it a little bit of a different way. I'm going to kind of uh, hit it from a different angle this morning, uh, see, if we, see if it makes more sense to us. The Holy Spirit has not, everybody say not. The Holy Spirit has not been given to empower you to take your physical works to a new level. What you are doing in the flesh is not going to be magnified by the Holy Spirit. He's not going to take your physical works to a new level. And I know um, uh, even even now a lot of us are like, well, wait a minute, let me, let me get into this and unpack this a little bit for you and see if it starts making sense. The Holy Spirit has been given to you to enable you to do one thing. 
And that is to navigate, everybody say navigate, navigate. the spiritual realm. It's not to make your physical work stronger. It's not like, you know, I, I've got the Holy Spirit now, so now I can, I, can, I can do more, I've got more strength, whatever. The Holy Spirit has given you access into the heavenly realm. And when we, when we grasp that concept that the Holy Spirit is actually the doorkeeper into the heavenly realm, and when we grasp the fact that everything that we need is in that realm... Then it will revolutionize the way we live our life. He literally stands, the Holy Spirit literally stands with one hand holding on to you and one hand firmly holding on to the power of God. He is the catalyst. He always has been. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, He wasn't born, He didn't originate. He wasn't just coming out, came out of thin air. He was there at creation. The Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the waters before God ever said, let there be. The Holy Spirit has always been the catalyst to bring heaven to earth. The Bible says that the earth was formless and void. You know what that means? It means that physical space was created for us. God doesn't need it. Time, dimension, all of these things. God isn't in those things. They're in Him. So when when He said, I'm going to take formless and void and I'm going to make something physical, with physical dimension, the Holy Spirit was instantly involved before anything ever happened. The Holy Spirit was the lightning rod, if you will, to the earth from heaven. So the Holy Spirit is now in you. Still having that one hand firmly grasped on the power of God. And this is important because we have to realize that nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing happens in the physical realm before it happens in the spiritual realm. The Bible says that we're supposed to pray. When, when they, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, teach us to pray. And I know we've talked about this, but when the disciples asked Jesus to teach us how to pray... He basically said, first give glory to God. Hallowed be your name. But then the first thing that he said to ask for, first petition, that heaven would come to earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and the disciples probably thought that was a mystery until Pentecost. And when Pentecost hit, it all became clear. That prayer that God taught them to pre- that Jesus taught them to preach took on all new meaning, and all of a sudden they realize how heaven comes to earth. Um, when the Holy Spirit gives you access to the spiritual realm, what He's doing is giving you the ability to see things that haven't yet happened. See, just like it was in the heart of God to create the earth, then the Holy Spirit was involved, and then God spoke, which was the Word, which was Jesus, which is, we'll get into that another time maybe. But the whole Trinity was involved. And then God spoke, and things came to be. When the Holy Spirit is involved in your life, He's given you the ability, He opens up a window and lets you see into the Spirit. Um, I heard someone put it like this. He said... We're, we're here on the earth, our body and everything like this, and we're born again. But the Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Our spirit, when we're saved, is seated with Christ in heavenly places. And he, they, they said it like this. They said, so you have a choice. You can either wonder what God's will is, and you can pray toward heaven to God, or you can pray from your heavenly seat with God and with Jesus and seeing what God's will is. See, God will open up that to you. It is not arrogant for you to ask God to show you things. It is not assuming. The Bible tells you that He's given you that seat with Christ in heavenly places. He said that you can approach the throne of grace to boldly to obtain mercy any time that you need it. See, but He won't show you things in heaven without giving you a strategy to bring those things to earth. See, this is the wonderful thing about prayer. When you're filled with the Spirit, it goes beyond praying 
in the natural. It goes beyond praying, God bless me, Ma, God bless Papa, you know, protect me while I sleep. You know, that's that's how my little girl prays. She now right now she's changed. She's uh she's gone from um protect me and all of those things. She's now she's asking for a million dollars every night. And here's why she prayed we had three kittens um that were born to us. We have a cat. Let me back up. We have a cat that we cannot get fixed. We finally did. We finally did. Because every time we schedule it, it's two weeks out and she's pregnant again. And I just feel bad. I can't get the cat fixed while she's pregnant. I mean, that's just morally wrong. So um, so we end up, we've ended up kittens and kittens. Well, she had three girl kittens. I'm like, I am not spending $90 times three, you know, and, and getting these kids fixed. So we were just like, what do we do? What do we do? Well, the kittens disappeared and I had nothing to do with it. They just disappeared. And I was thanking God, not knowing that Anne Marie, when she was asked for prayer requests, that she was actually praying for them to come back. And God decided to listen to Anne Marie's prayer and ignore mine that the kittens showed back up. And I said, Wow, Anne Marie, you should now you should ask for a million dollars. So she has been every night for like three months. And Lord, give me a million dollars. Amen. And I'm not, I mean, she's a minor, so I'm not going to pray against that. You know, I'll hold on to it for, you know, live off the interest. So, but I don't even know what I was saying. Okay. God will give you insight into things that have not happened. You know, that's what prophecy is. Um, Prophecy is not predicting the future. We think prophecy is like looking into a crystal ball. We've got this secular mindset of what prophecy is. Lord, you you know, show us something about my future that's going to happen regardless. You know? And sometimes God will. God will show people uh, world events and things like that. But personal prophecy into your life has nothing to do with predicting the future. What prophecy is is this. It is speaking God's intention to you. Let me stress the word intention. Because you have a choice. And other people have a choice. But it's in God's heart for something for you. And the Bible says that uh, a smart person will mine out that treasure. That, that it's in God's heart and all we have to do is let the Holy Spirit open up not just insight, but strategy. See, prophecy without... With, uh, the insight of prophecy without the strategy... Implemented of prophecy is, 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 is empty. See, we need to ask not just for insight, we need to ask for strategy to bring those things because if we, because we have a choice. We can actually work with God. Did you know that? We can know God's will and we can work with Him instead of just wondering all the time. You know, and the, one of the most and I understand there are a lot of things that that uh, God doesn't uh, that God doesn't reveal that God keeps uh, keeps keeps hidden. But listen, we use Thy will be done as a crutch. We I, I'm I'm, not, I'm just saying a lot of times we say God's will be done, whatever God wants, whatever whatever, as an excuse not to get in prayer and find out what God's will is in a situation. Because if you understand what God's will is in a situation, you are teamed up with God through the Holy Spirit, and you can work with God. We expect God to move us around like pawns on a chessboard, and He's not going to do it. He's not going to pick you up and move you around like you're a chess piece. You've got to know what God wants. And you've got to know what, how. You've got to get the divine strategy on how to implement it here on the earth. I dare say, nothing will be able to stop God's will from taking place through you and in your life if we can do that. If we can, if we can accomplish that partnership. So, Alright. So you've got to know that redeeming you from sin... Everybody say, redeeming me is not all Jesus died for. See, that's where we, that's a, a lot of us, uh, a lot of people, they leave it at that. They say, I got saved. I thank God I'm redeemed. You know what redeemed means? Redeemed means that you are brought out of the pit and you're set, your feet are set on a rock. The, redeemed means that you are brought out of negative, tory, ne- negative territory and brought back to zero. That's what redeem means. It means you're set right with God again. You could 
do anything to do it. God reached down, He picked you up, and He set you right again. Thank God, right? Thank God that He did that. But Jesus didn't just die to redeem you from sin. He died for you to, to take you from a position, whether you were the rankest sinner or the most righteous person ever, because self-righteousness is a myth, by the way. There's no such thing. We, we have a term, self-righteousness. It doesn't even make sense. It's, uh, what is it, what's, what's, that, what's that word? Oxymoron. There you go. Wow, pulled that one out. I never get to pull those, ha- those, those words out when I'm... Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to start asking Naaman. All right. So, it's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as self-righteousness. So, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're pre, in your pre-saved life, if you were the rankest sinner, or if you were the best person that ever lived. It doesn't matter. Because there is no such thing as self-righteousness. There is no such thing as I'm good enough. We, he died for everyone on our assumed, our imaginate, uh, uh, imagined spectrum that we have of evil and good. He's taken everyone that will, and He's set them on at zero. When we talk about level playing field, it's not, you know, I was so bad and they were so good and now I'm as good as them. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the standard and we're brought to that. So, so Jesus died to take you from that position to right standing with Him. And that's the best gift ever. Um, y'all remember that Toyota commercial? I don't know what this popped into my head, the Toyota commercial where they would leap up. Y'all remember that? <laughs> See, the, the millennials are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And the older folks are like, we're so young. If that's it. It's like, I remember when Toyota's wasn't even a thing. You know? <laughs> but, um, and it, y'all remember the, the song? Who could ask for anything more? Remember that? Who could ask for anything more? Toyota! Y'all remember that? <laughs> okay, that was retarded. Okay. So, who could ask for anything more than salvation? You can't. You couldn't ask for salvation. God just decided to give it to you anyway. God decided to offer it to you anyway. It's nothing that you could have ever achieved or attained. But you couldn't ask for anything more until you learned that He didn't just swoop down to clean up your mess and then go back to heaven. See, that would be a different story. And in that story, salvation is the end game. We get saved, we're set right, God goes back to heaven, and we'll see Him again. Jesus goes back to heaven, and we'll see Him again when He comes back. I saw this video of a... (coughs) How many of you, 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 Facebook has this thing, I hate it, where somebody sends you a video or something, you watch the video, and right at the end of the video... It skips on to the next video, and it's just random. And it's like, I don't want to see that, you know. So I ended up, uh, I was watching uh, a preaching video with Chris Valentin, and, and then it skipped. At least it gives you the little thing next video, you know. But you want to see the end of it. So Anyway, so it skips up. And it's these people trying to get this elephant out of the mud. <laughs> and it's this, this cell phone video. It's elephant. It's like a, 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 it's at a reservation or something. And they've got this elephant that's on its back in a mud pit. And they're tr- all these guys are around and they're trying, they've got ropes around it, they've got boards, they're trying to get this elephant flipped over and out of this mud pit. And they finally, I mean, it's the longest video ever. And you're sitting there watching for like 10 minutes, then just struggling to get this elephant out of the mud. And you're like, well, i got to see if it gets out of the mud, you know. I can't, I can't go away, I have to stay here, you know, skipping forward. They're still trying to get it out of the mud. Uh, well, they get it out of the mud, and here's the great climax. The elephant gets on its feet, stumbles off into the bushes and they all high-five each other. And that's the climax of the video. It's like, wow, they got him out. So, But that's not what God did to you. God did not come down here and, and just get you out of the mud that you were in, get you back on your feet, and then go around and high-five the, Jesus, high-five the Holy Spirit. You know, And uh, we got, you know, turn them loose. Freedom, go. That's not the way it happened. Jesus didn't die to set you free. I'm sorry. Jesus died. When Jesus died, His blood bought you. When you, when you accept Jesus, you accept the fact that He didn't just get you back on your feet and turn your... And if you want that, that's fine. Go be saved and make heaven. That's fine. Go. But listen to this. He had a different idea in mind entirely. His blood... Everybody say, His blood, His blood. bought me. Now here's the thing. 
He did more than just set you free from your past. He set your feet on the path to your destiny. See, He didn't just say, just go. He actually had a path for you already laid out. And He saved you for that path. And you say, well, why, why can't I just do my own thing? Well, you can. Why would you? Because the path that He made for you, your destiny is as much a part of you as you are a part of you. Your destiny is what you were designed and put here to do. Why would you not? Why would you not want to do Know and do what God has created you to do. There is nothing more fulfilling. You can look. People have. There's nothing more fulfilling than knowing you're in the will of God for your life. And you know what? Hard times are going to come. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Hard times will come. You know what the difference is? I know that I am on the path. I'm in the middle of God's will. If I'm not... I'm, I can be blown. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm shaky. You know, it's like anything can knock me over. But if I know that I'm walking the path that God has for me, and I know that the Holy Spirit is deeply involved in God's will for my life, I can't be shaken. No matter what comes, I'm not getting off this path. It's too good. It's too good. Um... I've never bought a tool. Let me, I've never bought a tool just to put it in my shed with the other tools. And how many of you in here you 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 buy tools? You handle? I mean, you you like you have to have tools to do your job. How many of you have to buy your own tools? Okay, so how many of you buy cheap tools? I, okay, <laughs> I still do. It never works out. But I still buy the tools because I'm looking at the Milwaukee's and I'm looking at the DeWalt's and I'm looking at all those things. And I was like, man, it's like three times the price, you know. But you see all the guys that have been doing it for a long time, all the old timers, and they're using those tools, you know. They're using the Makitas and all of those, you know, the real expensive tools. And here I am, I'm ordering tools on eBay and Amazon, you know, that take four weeks to get here from China and, and, uh, and they don't have a brand on them. <laughs> And they don't work right out of the box. And uh, but I saved so much money anyway. But I've never, if I ever bought a tool, it's because I needed a tool. I don't just go buy tools just to set on the shelf and to look at them. Some of them are pretty, but they're not that pretty. If I want something pretty, I'll buy something pretty. But if I want a tool, I buy a tool. If I need a tool, Jesus, Jesus saved you to activate you. He did not save you to put you on the shelf. He did not save you to put you on the shelf with all of the other pretty tools for people to look at. He saved you to activate you. He saved you because you were designed by Him to do something. And guys, I know it's not about doing. Everybody says, you know, it's about being, not doing. Well, when you know what you are and, and who you are and everything, you know that you are supposed to do something. It mandates, when you know who you are, it mandates action. So, the Holy Spirit wants to use you the way that God designed you. So here's the thing. Jesus suffered. Everybody say, Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. My suffering. The Bible says, by His stripes you were healed. When? On the cross. He suffered for your suffering. He died your spiritual death. Everybody say that. He said, say, He died my death. He qualified every requirement of the law to set you right with God. Nothing you could have done, but He's done that for you. All that we owe was paid, but His plan was never to bring you to zero and step back and let you try again. Because you can... If you couldn't, if you couldn't earn it, you can't maintain it. You know what I'm saying? If you couldn't get yourself there, you can't stay there. You know, it's, it's said whatever you do to get something is what you have to do to keep something. See, you couldn't get yourself to salvation. You accepted just God. I just accept your work. I accept what you did on the cross. You couldn't do anything except just accept what was already already been done. You could have died on the cross if you wanted to. It wouldn't have made a hill of beans difference. 
Because you weren't the perfect lamb. You weren't the spotless lamb. So, so He qualified every requirement of the law and all we owe was paid. But His plan was never to bring you there and step back and just see if you can try again. Some believe that our, our daily chores, believers, is just to do our best and not venture into negative territory, which we do. And then we, we get in God's presence. We say, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And He does. And He sets us back right again. It's like, and then He's, and he, he, the whole time He's saying, there's more, there's more. But we just say, okay, good, I'm good, I'm good now. And we step out and we get into negative territory again, just over and over and over. And I hear songs all the time on Christian radio, you know, about this cycle. <laughs> you know, it's so frustrating. And, and I'm like, I love Christian radio because a lot of people have come to Christ listening to Christian radio. But some of these songs, <laughs> I, I'm just a nobody, you know? <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Like, I, okay, th- there's a phrase, and it's a catchy, it's a catchy song, and it's a lyric, and I, I'm not trying to offend anybody if you love this song. Um, but it says, I'm just a nobody, and we are on Facebook Live. Okay, basically, I, I'm, I'm a nobody. Trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Come be a nobody with me, you know. Uh, anyway, that's my thing. Okay. Nobody wants to be a nobody. Um, okay. Uh, where was I? I'm not going to get into that. So, um, all we owe is pay. Um, there is a believer. I'm sorry. Let me back up. Get my mind out of that. Uh so it's not just our daily chore just to stay out in negative territory because that is a believer that has never finished the story. You see, the cross was not the end of the story. We say, well, it was the resurrection. Ah, that wasn't the end either. It's a, it was a, it, there's no end to the story. Do you understand? It's not the crucifixion story. It's not the resurrection story. God's story does not end. And this, and we we st- we like to stop wherever we f- start feeling uncomfortable. When we start feeling uncomfortable in this story, we stop there and we say, "Okay, heaven, I got that. I'm good. I don't want to be weird, right?" How many of you have ever had the concept? Don't raise your hand if you still have this concept. But how many of you have ever had the concept that the Holy Spirit was weird? Because it didn't. It didn't. Okay, we got a couple people. Um, I always did. I always thought it was weird. I was the 14-year-old kid snickering on the back row, you know, in these ser- in altar services and stuff like that. I thought it was weird. Um, there was so there's so many things about the Holy Spirit that we don't have context for in our mind, in our experiences. We don't have the con- we don't have the framework to put it in, so we call it weird because we can't get our head around it. And we can get our head around, okay, Jesus died, and we can't really. But I mean, we 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 think, okay, Jesus died, he was resurrected. Now I'm saved. I accept him. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Yay! I got it. Okay, but there's so much more to the story, and the story is still being written. Did y'all know that good stories actually climax in the last pages? Did you know that? There's all this tension, all these things, all these uh, these things coming together, and all these situations. And at the end, a good author will bring it all together, and there'll be this big climax in the end of the story. Movies are that way too. I've I've been told that about books. I know that's true with movies, though. Um, my wife is an avid reader. I love forwards because I'm not forwards. Uh, what is it called? Like the summary on the back. Because you can get the whole thing, you know, you can skim through and get some good, good quotes out of it, you know. But uh, but in movies, I know that too, that it all climaxes in the end of the movie. Have you ever watched a movie that didn't have that? And it was just like, it was the end, the, the credits started rolling, and you're like, what? What? Am I the only one that that makes so mad? I just devoted an hour and a half to this thing, and it left me feeling... You know, it didn't even finish the story. God's story, God's perfect story climaxes at the end of the story. And if you stop at the Gospels, if you read through the Gospels, salvation is just in there. But if you stop there, thank God that you're restored to your original created state and you have access uh, to heaven. And that's awesome, but 
if you keep reading. Everybody say, keep reading. If you read on, you get into Acts. And in Acts, you see the reason for His sacrifice is so much more than you getting to heaven. It's so much more than the security of one day I'm going to go to heaven. A lot of people, they live their whole life in anticipation of heaven one day. And that's the life of a believer is just trying to get to heaven. But it's so much more than that. It's actually the purpose of God and the purpose for His sacrifice is to get heaven to you. Did you know that? If you stop at the Gospels, you will say, yes, Jesus got me to heaven. But if you read on, you see that His plan was actually to bring heaven to you. The whole Gospel, everybody say whole Gospel, is not just going to heaven there. It is that, but not just that. The whole Gospel is a mandate to open the door in your own life to allow heaven to come here. And here. And the whole purpose of the Gospel is not just to get us all migrated out of here into a better place. It's because He wants to change the world around you into more like heaven. He wants to use you to bring heaven to earth. Um, I was at an altar um, when I was a kid. I was at an altar with about ten people around me trying to get me to speak in tongues. It was the most high pressure (laughs) moment of my life. You know, especially I was a very reclusive kid. And it was very scary. It was very um, intimidating. And I was just like looking at him like, I I got nothing. Y'all ever been in this experience? You want to know when I was filled with the Holy Spirit? Or baptized with the Holy Spirit? And spoke in tongues? I was picking peas. Because I had good parents. After school, I was out picking peas. <laughs> or pretending to pick peas or whatever. Um, I was the world's slowest pea picker as a kid. So um, I was out there picking peas, and I just like, I'm looking around. Nobody's around. Not ten people in my face. And I just like said a little something. And before I knew it, the Holy Spirit was there, and I was praying in tongues. And that's how the Holy Spirit came. Me. And I think, you know, um, my mom, the story goes, my mom, we were in a church that was actually not for the Holy Spirit. They were against the Holy Spirit. Um, at least that part of the Holy Spirit. And um, she was like, is it okay if I say that? <laughs> she was saying, my mom sings. When I was growing up, she sings, just sings, sings, sings all the time, you know. And she was singing in the bathtub and just started singing in tongues. And uh, freaked everybody out. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can, all, all He's looking for is an open door. All He's looking for is a, is, is a, is a yielded spirit. Um, guys, I don't want to offend anybody, but um, right, let me uh, find my notes. By the way, let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. Do you know the last thing to go through a bug's mind before, when he hits the windshield of your car? Huh? His rear end, yeah. It's the last thing to go through a bug's mind when he hits the windshield. How have you never heard that before? Okay. I, now that I know that joke, I say it every time a bug hits the windshield. I look over at the person riding with me like, you know what the last thing went through his mind was? And, uh, and then if they know the joke, they're like, his rear end. Oh, yeah. Um... So a lot of Christians, when we're hit with the Holy Spirit, the concept of the Holy Spirit, we only think of the rear end of the issue. We only think of, do I have to have Him? We think of, I just want to miss hell. I don't want to be weird. Is it necessary? Is it mandatory? Can I still be saved? Guys, this whole, this whole line of thinking is not God. This whole line of thinking is wrong. What is this infatuation with the line? What is this infatuation with how little can I do and still be saved? You know what, you know what that, that's kind of like? It's, like? it's like an employee that doesn't really have the vision of the company. Here's the, the only thing that's on their mind is, how little can I put out and still get my check? God is not looking for, for that kind of mentality. 
You know when somebody has the vision of the company because you see, uh, they see how what they do, do adds value to the vision of the company and they're not dragging their feet. So what is this resistance to the idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit? Is it biblical? Yeah. Yeah, it's biblical. Is it necessary to go to heaven? I don't, I don't see that it is in the Bible. It's one of those things. It's just like, um, you know, people will pull out a scripture and be like, yeah, but what about this? And so it's one of those issues, right? But if baptism in the Spirit means more of Him, I'm in. I don't care if it's weird. I don't care if I'm weird. If it means more of Him and less of my efforts, which get me nowhere, then I'm all in. If you know the Holy Spirit, you never ask, how little can I have? If you really know the Holy Spirit, and if you've really encountered the Holy Spirit, how little can I get away with is never part of the question. The Bible says that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. Everybody say, without measure. Then that Jesus, who was filled without measure, had the audacity to say that we would do greater works than He did because of two things He said. He said, I'm going back to my Father, which means He was interceding for us at God's right hand. And He's going to send the Comforter. The Holy Spirit was going to be sent to live in us permanently. Because of that, He said, you're going to do greater things than I did. And we have, we, I've never done greater things than Jesus. I have never raised a Lazarus from the dead. So there's something untapped about the Holy Spirit. There's a door that we've got to open in our life to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to do something you cannot do in your physical body, in your physical effort. So the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit is precious. precious. If you want just a little, you're not going to get it. But if you're all in, you get it all. Um... Let's skip forward a little bit. In fact, not only am I all in if it's in the Bible, I may even ask for things that aren't in the Bible just to see what happens. How many of you are with me on that? You're just like, well, God, what if, you know, can I have, can I have this, you know? It's like, I think God's okay with that. That's kind of a joke, but okay. So I hope you can hear my heart in this, and I know this is an awkward way to leave you here, but we need to put an end to this elitist Holy Spirit club that discourages people who just want more of Jesus. Let me explain that. Hear my heart, okay? Hear what I'm trying to say. We need to erase the line that qualifies us. Where we all qualify ourselves by this line. Because a lot of believers stand there at that line praying in tongues and looking back at those who aren't. Guys, can I tell you something? You're going to say, but the Bible says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I agree. We're, I'm, I'm with you. But listen to this. The Holy Spirit is not an achievement. The Holy Spirit is a relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when you realize that and you open up and you're not trying to achieve something, I believe that the Holy Spirit can rush into those. You say, God, I just want to know you more. Holy Spirit, I want more of you in my life. See, the Holy Spirit responds to a vacuum. Make yourself a vacuum. Make yourself a vacuum. Say, God, I have this in me that I can only be filled by you. And the Holy Spirit rushing. Let's not, let's just take the, the, the corporate ladder out of this equation. Because the Holy Spirit is not an achievement, He's a person, and it's a relationship. Can we all just go after Jesus? and experience His goodness at every step of the journey. See, we're all on this on our path. We're all on this walk with Jesus. And all we got to do is say, More, Lord. More, Lord. Everybody say that with me. Say, More, Lord. Your value to Jesus is more than your shelf life. He's not betting on you being able to just maintain what you received at salvation. He's got more. Everybody say, he's got more. Aladdin thought he knew about a whole new world. But I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit has a whole new world for every believer. It doesn't matter how far, you, how much 
heaven you think you've experienced. There's an entirely new world for you to experience in God. He is limitless. Enoch walked so closely with God, he just went on to heaven. There is no limit to what you can experience in God. The Holy Spirit is here as proof that the door is open. But it's up to you. You are the gatekeeper of your life. You are the gatekeeper. And how in a lot of us, we stand at the gate and we're like, Oh, a little bit. Oh, a little bit of Jesus. Or, or oh, things have gotten so hard. You know, I'm going to go crack the door open a little, a little Holy Spirit in here. You know. Okay. So, we say, how do I know that the Holy Spirit is for me? Because He decides when you were born. He decides when you were born. And Jesus coming before you was no coincidence. He actually planned for you to be here and now post-resurrection. Everybody say post-resurrection. Say, thank God I live post-resurrection. He designed for you to be here and He intended for you to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. He intended for you to be empowered to live out your destiny by the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to get into some of this next week. I'm sorry. This church, I believe, and the church in general, the body of Christ, is about to launch into a spiritual journey that's going to have extreme physical ramifications. You say, well, what is, what is healing? God, I want healing. I want healing. That that all has to be brought from heaven. Healing doesn't happen here. There is no material here on the earth for resurrection power. You cannot go out and mine resurrection power. There's no fountain of youth. I'm sorry. Everything on this earth is designed to deteriorate. The very oxygen that you breathe corrodes and, and, and oxidizes your body. Everything. The only way that resurrection power is going to come in a service or in your own life is if it comes from somewhere else. I believe we're about to launch into that and it's going to have ramifications in this city. But like everything else, it will not originate in the physical realm. It won't come from physical effort. It won't come from good preaching and it won't come from good marketing. The church has exhausted those. It's going to be birthed and sustained by the Spirit. Or not at all. It's got to come by the Spirit. And if you already know this, it's because you've seen it in the Spirit. Some of you are in here in this. Even as I'm saying this, you know it. You already know it. And you know it because you've seen it in the Spirit. But remember that just seeing into, into the Spirit... It's half of the equation. There's a strategy that God has to bring from heaven to earth. Many people are going to reap the benefits of that spirit, but they're never going to that move of the spirit, but they're never going to see it coming. My desire is not just to receive from the outpouring, but to be the channel, be a channel that the outpouring can come through. And some of you, that's your heart's desire too. It's like God, let it come through me. Let it come because if it comes through you, it comes to you. Right? It's one thing to externalize and externally receive something from God. It's another thing for it to come to you and through you. And it changes everything in you. That's what I want. That's where I want to be in my life. Everybody say, salvation is not my end game. It just qualifies for you the game. And there's no end to the game. You know, the Holy Spirit was the creative force behind creation. We talked about that. But God is done creating on a macro level. You know what that means? It means that He is not... We know scientifically that God spoke and things were created. And we know scientifically that things are still being created out in the universe. Right? We know that scientifically. That's not, out, that's not in the Bible. That's science. They have observed that new things are being formed at the farthest reaches of the universe. We know that's happening. And we can see, God, your, your word that you spoke at creation is still going out and creating. But here on this earth, 
You're not going to walk out of your door tomorrow and boom, there's a tree that didn't grow there. It was just boom, God just created it. That's not what God is doing anymore. God created everything and in His plan, He brought in the Holy Spirit, introduced the Holy Spirit into our life. And He's ready to now get busy creating. Through, get this, 2.3 billion Christians. 2.3 billion Christians who most, for the most part have not opened the door to the Holy Spirit. He's ready. He's standing at the door and knocking. But you've got your hand on the doorknob and you just crack it a little bit, crack it a little bit. He's waiting for... Man, if 2.3 billion Christians open the door to let the Holy Spirit have His way, that's all it takes. Things would change. We need change. We want change. That's how it's going to change. You want change? Open the door to the Holy Spirit. Stop arguing. Stop fighting. Stop bickering about things. Open the door to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit, which is the only eternal change that can ever happen in this physical world, the only resurrection power that can change a person's heart. You're not going to change a person's mind and change their heart, by the way. No one convinced you to be saved. If you were saved in your mind because it was logical, then it's time, to, it's time to reassess your salvation. I'll just say that. It's a heart thing. And only the Holy Spirit can work on the heart. He's ready for you to open the physical doors in your life that can only be opened first in the Spirit. The Bible says that we call things those things that are not as though they are. We call things that are not as though they are. Well, I want to I want to I want to say this to you, they are. I'm not I'm not saying anything contradictory to the Bible, but we call things that are not physically that we can see. We call those things that are because they are in the spirit. We call things that are not in the physical as they are because they are in the spirit. Paul and all the Pharisees they thought, or Saul, I should say, they thought that they had the corner market on God. They did everything they could to be as righteous as they possibly could. And the whole time, they were working against God's plan. So, Saul was on his way to do the righteous thing. And Jesus had to literally knock him off his horse. He knocked him off his horse, blinded him, Here's what he said. He said, Saul, it's so hard for you to kick against what I'm doing, to kick against the pricks. I have, I have tried to reach you and you keep kicking against this, thinking that what you're doing is righteous and it's not. So why did God blind? Why was he blinded? Why, you know, I've asked myself, why did you have to blind him? I believe that Jesus took Paul's sight, Saul's sight, to give him a different sight for a while. Sometimes we just have to close our eyes to what's going on around us and we have to open so that we can open up our spiritual eyes. Why do we close our eyes when we pray? It's so that we can open our spiritual eyes and begin to see. Because Saul went on, he found Ananias, and he was saved, he was filled with the Spirit. Ananias prayed for him, he received his sight again. What the Holy Spirit's desire for each one of us is to have our, our spiritual eyes open, to be able to see with our spiritual eyes in the Spirit so that our physical eyes can then be in tune with that and stop being ruled by what we see out here, but be ruled by what we see in heaven, what we see in the heavenly realm through the Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit's here. Holy Spirit is here for so much more than we give Him credit for. Let's all stand to our feet. If you're here and you're ready to stop saying no to the Holy Spirit, or you're ready to stop saying some of the Holy Spirit, or you're ready to uh, stop saying just a little bit of the Holy Spirit, if you're ready to stop letting judgment, whether it's real or just in your own mind, it doesn't matter. 
of others trying to keep you on the outside of what the Holy Spirit is doing? If you're here, you're just ready to say yes to more. Just raise your hands right where you're at this morning. Say this with me. Say yes. Say yes. Yes. One of the most widely used words in the Bible is amen. We close every prayer with it. You know what amen means? So be it. Yes. That's what the Holy Spirit is looking for. He's looking for yes. He's looking for so be it. He's not looking for just a little bit. He's looking for doors flung open wide and a resounding yes, amen, so be it in my life. This phrase, the Holy Spirit put this phrase in my heart that I want to share with you. It's time to raise anchors and set sail. If you're in here this morning and there is an anchor dragging your you're dragging an anchor behind your boat, pull it up. Raise the anchor. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's not of the Spirit, it's an anchor. Raise it up. It's not just enough to raise the anchor. Raise the sail. Because the wind of the Spirit is wanting to blow through your life. And if you don't have that sail up, you're going to stand still and watch the Spirit move. But if you'll raise that sail, you'll be in the middle of everything that the Holy Spirit is doing. And that's where I want to be. I'm going to make some new sails. I'm going to be like in pirate ships with all those sails and everything. As many, I'm going to bed sheets, whatever I can get to catch some wind of the Spirit. Everybody say that with me. Say, I pull up my anchor. I raise my sail. If you're in here this morning, you need to get right with Jesus. Before you go any further, go ahead and as our, as our prayer team comes, our prayer team. Come on down to these altars and somebody wants to pray with you. Don't leave here. Don't leave here without having someone pray with you. If you need healing, if you need physical or emotional healing, come on down and have these have our prayer leaders pray with you. Everybody pray this with me. Say, Father, I love you. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name.